Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good men and women around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed, but the only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Just over three years ago, in the winter of 2017, we embarked on a journey to try and solve a senseless murder that occurred in Southeast Dallas in 1991. A drawn-out and complicated investigation ultimately resulted in the January 19, 1996 conviction of a man named Jesse Eldridge. The case is full of twists, turns, and betrayal. For the full story, you'll need to listen to Season 3 of Truth and Justice, if you haven't already. But for those of you who aren't familiar with the case, I will give you the basics of the story. On July 25, 1991, a 53-year-old woman named Kiao Gove was taking an early morning walk around the Spruce High School grounds. As she walked down the street on the east side of the property, Kiao was attacked. She was discovered minutes later by a neighbor. She was bleeding to death in an open field. She had been stabbed 20 times by what appeared to be multiple knives. Kiao passed away before the paramedics could arrive on the scene. Mrs. Gove's murder was as mysterious as it was senseless. She wasn't sexually assaulted and nothing was stolen from her. The crime scene paints a picture of someone or multiple someones stabbing her to death for absolutely no reason. The Dallas Police Department began an investigation, and it was going nowhere until three years later when a cold case investigator convinced a man named Troy Eldridge to give a statement that he witnessed his brother Jesse attacking Keow that morning. Jesse was arrested and later convicted based solely on his brother's testimony, which has proven to be a difficult hurdle to overcome in the fight to have Jesse's wrongful conviction overturned. With no physical evidence tying him to the murder, Troy is going to have to tell the truth if Jesse's conviction will ever be reversed. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You may have guessed by now that Troy is going to be our focus today. So let me walk you through Troy's evolution. On the day of Kiao's murder, police canvassed the neighborhood. They stopped at Jesse and Troy's apartment, but no one was home. A week later, detectives returned and spoke with Troy. He told them that he didn't know anything about the murder at that point. And then, over the next three years, Troy had many interactions with police and always maintained that he didn't know anything about the murder. But then, in October of 1994, Detective Watts, a cold case investigator, really started to turn the screws on Troy. He harassed him at work and even lied and told Troy that his DNA, along with Jesse's, had been found on Kiao's body. Eventually, Troy had cracked under the pressure and swore out an affidavit. In that affidavit, he stated that Jesse had gone for a run that morning and returned to the apartment with blood all over his shirt. But that still wasn't enough. It didn't actually tie Jesse to the murder. So, eventually, Troy changed his story again. In his next affidavit, and this is what he testified to at trial, he stated that he and Jesse had gone for a jog that morning, and Troy personally witnessed Jesse grabbing a hold of Kiao. In his affidavit and his testimony, Troy stated that he got scared when Jesse grabbed Mrs. Gove and he ran away, back to their apartment. So still, he didn't actually witness Jesse killing Kiao, but he says that he saw him grab her right in the place where she was later murdered. So in a nutshell, that is the entire case that sent Jesse Eldridge away to prison for the rest of his life. No physical evidence, no eyewitnesses to the murder, just testimony from his own brother. And like I said, even Troy didn't say that he actually saw Jesse murdering Kiao. He only testified that he saw him grab her before he ran away. Now, since Troy's testimony was the entirety of the state's case, when I began to investigate, I needed to talk to Troy. So in March of 2017, I traveled to Dallas to talk to him about what he had witnessed that morning. And what I'm about to play for you is a 13-minute segment from Season 3, Episode 6, my interview with Troy Eldridge. Now, if you're listening to this and you're not entirely sure about the details of the case, you'll get the basics of what you need to understand for the rest of this episode from this short segment. So, it's time to jump into the Truth and Justice time machine all the way back to March of 2017. This was Troy Eldridge's most recent version of his story. For Carol Eldridge, who are you? My name is Bob. I'm, I'm an investigative journalist doing a story about her son, Jesse. Yeah, and I was the one who uh, testified against him because he lived with me at the time it happened. Oh, are you Troy? Yeah. Oh, that's actually one of the reasons why we were looking for Carol was to find you. Oh, okay. Would you mind chatting with us for a few minutes? No. Okay. All right. Hold on. Let me tell my mom. She's in bad health. Okay. If you want, you can go back here. Okay. Sounds good. We stood in the living room a bit confused. Troy had pointed towards the back bedroom, but I didn't feel comfortable going into his bedroom alone. So I opted to just stand there and listen to his caged bulldog bark at me. Okay, I didn't know where you wanted to sit. Uh, back here if you want. I okay. mean, this is where I stay. It's a little okay. messy right now. But... Oh, all right. Troy walked Chris and I back to his bedroom. 
As I entered, I made a quick scan of the room. Relatively neat, a twin-sized bed at one end and at the other a desk. The desk was full of VHS tapes, an ashtray full of cigarette butts, a hot plate, a frying pan, and a large butcher knife. The room was dark and the cigarette smell was almost overwhelming. Troy was friendly. He offered me a seat on a wooden chair and offered for Chris to sit on his bed. I accepted. Chris declined. Once we sat, I got right down to business. I've heard the trial testimonies. If you were the the main witness that that put him away, so I guess first of all, can you tell me what you remember about what happened? The morning it happened. Yeah. Uh, we used. He lived with me, uh-huh. and we used to go jogging and work out. Uh huh. Then, then you know. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we went jogging, and we used to jog around Spruce High School. Uh huh. And. Well, in the evening, we'd watch. We, I lived right across the street uh-huh. from in these apartments. And in the evening, we'd watch this lady and her husband walk around Spruce. Okay. And I didn't know who she was at the time, and neither did Jesse. And uh, he would make comments about her and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the next, I believe the next morning, uh, we. We're jogging around Spruce, and if you know where Spruce is, we start going around the right side, the other side of it. We spotted, or I did, I know, I mean, this lady out in her house coat walking her dog. And Jesse, you know, he had just gotten out of prison the second time. Right. So he was a little ahead of me. Uh-huh. And he grabbed her. Okay. And uh, I just stopped, and I just, you know, I didn't know what she was doing or what he was doing, and I said, Jesse, what the fuck are you doing? Uh-huh. And he just looked at me, and I just, you know, I just I just froze, and he said, Troy, just go. Just get, the, you know, just get the fuck away from me. Uh-huh. And I just turned, I just turned around, and I left. I mean, I went through the yard of the school and I jumped, you know, a little fence, whatever, and I just ran up to my apartment. Uh huh. That's the last time I've seen him for a couple of days. He never came back after? And, uh, well, yeah, eventually he did. Uh-huh. But, but I mean, that morning he didn't come back? No, sir. Okay. Um, so what was the, did you, did you, did you see him grab her or? Yeah. Okay. What was the what, what was the dog doing? I don't know. I, I you know I wasn't thinking about no dog. I was you know saw him. You know I'd seen him in the past. You know beat people up, and I mean he was a violent person. Right. I, I mean some things I've seen him do was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I just took off. Okay. And he came back to. I mean, in between all this, I, uh, I, you know, that later on that morning, the police showed up, you know, the detectives and everything. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I just told them I didn't know nothing, anything, period. Uh-huh. And uh, that was it. I mean, for, and for a couple of days, he didn't show up, and 
one morning or one maybe mid afternoon, something like that, he uh came walking down the street in front of Spruce uh-huh. on a sidewalk and he walked at that morning he was wearing one of my shirts, it was like an army shirt. It was I mean it, it was stained and I knew it was blood. Uh-huh. And I knew I mean and he didn't say nothing to me. He could, you know and I would work with my dad, you know, at the time and he didn't say nothing to me and he told me to call my mom, and, you know, go to work and that was it. I mean I didn't say nothing, and was that that morning? Because I think at trial he said that morning he came back. No, he didn't come back that morning. Okay. And you know, he had told my mom at one time he was reading the paper about it, and uh-huh. he told my mom one day, you know, that she had nothing of value. Mm-hmm. Why did you know somebody rob her like that or kill her? Right. And stuff. I just, I mean, there's nothing more I can say that you know. Her keys did end up in the mailbox, mm-hmm. you know, in her mailbox, and you know, I, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it, you know? Right. Now, can you try to remember, you know, seeing something like that, if you can kind of picture in your mind, do you, do you remember, like, what color clothes she was wearing, how big the dog was? It was a little dog. A little dog? Yeah. Okay. You don't remember what color clothes she was wearing or anything? No, I mean, like I said, it was, you know, it was early morning, and she was, uh, come to find out, she was a cook at Spruce. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I have no idea. I was stunned to hear Troy's retelling of the story. Red flags were flying up one after another. Just to name a few... Troy now recalls that Kia was wearing a house coat. And as we know, she was actually wearing a light blue nylon jogging suit. He also says that Kia was walking her dog when Jesse attacked her. And we know that Kia was most certainly not walking a dog when she was attacked. Troy also says now that Jesse did not return to the apartment on the day of the murder. I asked him twice to be sure. Troy is now positive that Jesse disappeared and he didn't see him for days after the attack. He did, however, get the part right about Jesse showing up wearing his bloody shirt. That's consistent with his previous statements. Although now, it's days after the murder when Jesse returns. And Jesse came walking up to the apartment still wearing the bloody shirt that he had on when he supposedly killed Kiao. Except now it's not a plain white t-shirt. In this latest version, Jesse is wearing an army shirt. At this point, I'm five minutes into the interview, and Troy Eldridge has already completely impeached every single aspect of his trial testimony and affidavits. As the conversation went on, Carol seemed to be getting perturbed. You know, he he had mentioned to, you know, what? Yeah. Several times throughout the interview, Carol would scream at Troy from her room on the other end of the trailer. I got the distinct impression that she wasn't happy about him talking to me. Next, I asked Troy about the Crime Stoppers and reward money. Notice how confident he sounds when he says that he did not get the money. But as you're about to hear, his tone is very different when I ask if his parents received any money. It was like three years before you wrote your affidavit. And and the police records say your, your mom is the one eventually called in and told him to get a hold of you. 
did she get the the Crime Stoppers payout for that before or after the trial? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, okay. I don't know. Did Did you end up with the reward from no. Kenneth, the ten thousand dollar reward? No, I did not. Wonder did Did I anybody? Mean, did your parents I, or anybody? I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I, I know I didn't. Next, Troy gives us a bit of insight as to why he eventually changed his story to implicate Jesse. Detective Watts and his partner ended up at a. Uh, the sign driving in Ball Springs. Mm-hmm. After so many years, and finally I said, "Look, you know, I don't know nothing." And they said, "Well, Jesse's trying to implicate you in it." And I don't know, I don't know. And that's when I turned, you know, turned around and said, "Look, this is really what happened." And they took our DNA. They found both our DNA supposedly at the crime scene. Uh-huh. This is something that we have never heard before. According to Troy, Detective Watts told him that Jesse was trying to implicate him in the murder. He also told Troy that his DNA was found on the scene along with Jesse's. Neither of these two things are true. According to both Jesse and Watts' trial testimony, Watts never even spoke to Jesse during the investigation. I think that this exchange may give us a bit of insight into how Watts got his reputation for getting reluctant witnesses to talk. Telling a potential witness that their DNA was found on a crime scene along with someone else's, and also that that other person is pointing the finger at them, is a pretty damn effective tool to get someone to say just about anything you want. After about 15 minutes of listening to Troy's stories, I had finally had enough. I looked him right in the eyes and told him that I knew that he was lying. As I confronted him with the evidence, he just kept repeating, That's my story. Why would I change my story? This has always been my story. Troy's nervousness became painfully apparent when I told him that the Innocence Project of Texas had taken Jesse's case, and that he would likely be called at some point to answer for his testimony. At that moment, Troy began to look at his feet, and with trembling hands, he reached for a cigarette. Throughout our entire 20-minute exchange, Troy was never rude or unkind. He remained friendly even to the point of asking me if it would bother me if he lit that cigarette. My impression of Troy Eldridge was that he was scared. As I confronted him with every piece of evidence that conflicted with his statements, he had the look and demeanor of a man whose past sins were suddenly and unexpectedly coming back to haunt him. Before I left, I gave Troy one last chance to tell me the truth. It's a lie. I know that it's a lie. Everybody knows that it's a lie. If that's if that's all you want to tell us. Then... All right. Well, I won't. I won't keep you. I do appreciate you giving us the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, but let me leave you with the. I'll give you a card if you want to get get in touch with me or anything. It's got my phone number, my cell. Oh, I'm sorry. My email and everything on there. Okay. You want to keep in touch and we'll show ourselves out. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Throughout our entire conversation, no matter how many times I told Troy that I thought he was lying, never once did he get angry. Never once did he tell me that he knows what he saw. He never told me that what I was saying was impossible because he saw it happen with his own eyes. The most aggressive response that I ever got from Troy was, This has always been my story.
As you may have noticed, I wasn't buying Troy's story. Aside from the fact that he got just about every single detail of the incident wrong, I was also convinced by his mannerisms and his behavior that Troy doesn't actually know anything about what happened to Kiao Gove. And it looked to me like the guilt was killing him. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For three years, I've been working on Jesse's case behind the scenes. Although, to be honest, there wasn't a lot that I could do. For those of you who listen to Season 3, you know that the case was brought to us by Allison Clayton of the Innocence Project of Texas. And throughout the course of our broadcast, the Dallas County Conviction Integrity Unit picked it up. Once Cynthia Garza with the CIU got involved, I backed off for the most part. The CIU has its own investigators, and I didn't want to get in their way. But to be honest, it's been a tough few years. Jesse and I have stayed in touch, and every time I spoke with him, his frustration was more than apparent. To him, he felt like nothing was being done. I've always assured him that the CIU and Allison were working hard on his case, but it's a slow process. Now, the reality is that I really don't know exactly what was being done. Allison wasn't allowed to share details of the investigation with me, so all I really knew was that there was a lot of DNA testing being done, and a few witnesses that you heard interviewed on our show have written affidavits confirming Jesse's alibi. But still, the wheels of justice were turning painfully slow. And Jesse was growing weary. Several months ago, Jesse called me and he told me that he had actually written Troy a letter. Jesse is very well aware of the reality of his situation. Unless DNA evidence proves without a doubt who actually killed Kihau, his only chance of getting his conviction overturned is for Troy to finally tell the truth. And that's what Jesse asked him to do in his letter. But weeks turned into months and months into close to a year, and still nothing from Troy. And then, out of nowhere, just a few weeks ago, Troy called Jesse's wife Patricia. He didn't make any admissions or really talk about the case much at all. He just wanted to talk. Right away, Patricia reached out to me to let me know that Troy was talking to her. Neither of us really knew what to do. He really didn't give any indication that he was willing to finally tell the truth, but something had to have been weighing on him for him to make that call. And as I mentioned, I've always felt that Troy wants to tell the truth, but he's afraid. 
thought about the situation overnight, trying to decide what the best course of action would be. Should I just tell Allison and let her handle it? Or the CIU? I just didn't know what to do. Until Jesse called me the next day. Jesse and I talked about the situation, and he made his wishes very clear. He wanted me, and only me, to talk to Troy. He told me that I was the only one that he trusted to conduct this interview. To quote Jesse from that phone call, he said, Bob, if there's anyone that can convince my brother to tell the truth after all these years, it has to be you. Of course, I was flattered by the sentiment, but I was also scared to death. To begin with, that's a hell of a lot of pressure. This could literally be Jesse's only chance at freedom. Besides that, I trust Allison Clayton more than words can even describe. And it goes against everything in my nature to keep anything from her, especially something this important. So I made it very clear to Jesse that this very well may be the wrong move, and it could end up hurting his case if I don't pass this along to his legal team to handle. But Jesse's mind was made up. It's his case, his risk, his life, and his decision. He wanted me to be the one to make the call. So that's exactly what I did. I was going to I wanted to call and talk to you a little bit about we we would love to be able to clear all this business up with Jesse between you guys and kind of give you, you know, an opportunity to, to tell your sto- your story about what what happened and and by that I mean you know I mean all the way back from the beginning, you know, I can see in the police reports what kind of pressure was put on you and what was what was done with you and totally understand how things ended up but so, so what i what i would like to do is have just I, I guess just let you explain to me what that process was like and how and or, and, and what happened you know how how did you go from you know originally saying that you know jesse had nothing to do with it to ended up testifying at trial how did that come about I was at work one day at Sonic in Box Springs, and Detective Watson, his partner, showed up at my job, telling me that they know Jesse did it, and they have proof that Jesse did it, and they needed my story, and I told them, you know, I said, I have no idea what you're talking about, and they kept on, and I said, look, I got to get back to work, and I went back to work, and they showed up again, and I told them nothing. You know, and I think maybe, maybe it was the second or third time, but, you know, finally they said, look, you know, we've already talked to Jesse and, you know, we know he did it and they, you know, you can go down with them. And I said, well, time out and all this. From there, that's how it started. I mean, they were threatening to take me down. I mean, and I said, for what? You know, I didn't, you know, nothing happened. And, you know, I mean, there were so many visits by them. I mean, they took me down to Homicide and, you know, the unit downtown Dallas a couple of times. And, you know, they told me they've talked to Jesse and all this. And they took my DNA. They took Jesse's DNA. They found my DNA and Jesse's DNA at the scene and everything. And, you know, they they said they talked to some guy, a friend of mine, Jimmy Hughes. They used to live out there where, where I did. And they said they talked to him. And they, you know, I mean, 
I don't know what else to say. I mean, so I, I guess I guess to be to be very clear, so we're all on the same page. So is is the testimony that you gave at trial that you witnessed Jesse murdering that woman? Was I that? Didn't, I, no, I didn't tell anybody I witnessed it. So what? Oh yeah, that's right. Your testimony at trial was was that you were you saw him with her and then you left. Right. Right. It's are are you saying that 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 story wasn't true? Am I going to get in trouble over all this? For starters, I don't think you would get in trouble for. Pardon me. You, you, you just said you don't think. No. Well. I, well, well. No. Let me, well, that, what I was going to say is I don't think you would anyway, because I don't think that anyone would pursue like you for perjury. But just in case, I actually looked up. So in Texas law, Article twelve point zero one three is the statute of limitations for perjury. And the statute of limitations for perjury, it says in that law, is seven years from the time the offense of perjury was committed, which means that seven years after you testified, if that testimony wasn't true, they only have seven years to do anything about it to charge you criminally. So now it's been, gosh, what, 20, over 20 years now. Been 25 yeah. So so now it's 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 way beyond that statute of limitations. So even if somebody did want to pursue charges of perjury, they can't at this point because it's past the statute of limitations. No, I don't know, man. I, you know, because I've, I've been in jail before, okay, for tickets and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. nothing, I, I don't have no felonies, nothing like that. Right. Yeah, well, it's... All I'm trying to get at is how am I supposed to be sure that I'm not going to get in trouble over all this? If I, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's it's actually very clear. You may have even heard on TV shows or whatever that there's the only thing that doesn't have a statute of limitations is murder. It's murder. Exactly. Right. So you've heard that before, and that so yeah. that so that's exactly that's gonna that that should give you kind of a gra- a little bit of a grasp on. What the, how the statute of limitations law work? Every crime, the police have a limited amount of time to charge someone after an offense, and after that period of time passes, it's called it's referred to legally as time barred. So they can't they, they can't charge you with that because they missed their opportunity. It's gone too far. And perjury to begin with is a minor offense. You know, it's like a misdemeanor, and and so after. After seven years, there's nothing you can do about. It. That's why you see a lot of, you know, a lot of guys like your brother, were people that end up, you know, getting exonerated because people gave false testimony. You know, once they're, once that seven years is passed, then they'll finally come forward and tell the truth because they're, you know, they're not in a situation where they're at risk of getting in trouble anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's and, and that's the case. It's not just perjury. I mean, that's I mean, actually. Troy, even like like rape, sexual assault, all that has like a, a seven, you know, five to seven year statute of limitations, depending right. what state you're in. The only right. thing that doesn't is murder. So unless you're about to tell me that you murdered that woman, which I'm sure you're not. No, no, sir. No, I'm not. Right. Jesse was not. He was living with me or staying with me, but he was not even at the apartment that morning. 
Okay. I don't know where he was. Okay. So let's back up and be and be clear. So you testify that your test. Let's just start with your the basis of the conviction. So your testimony at trial was that you and Jesse were going for a jog. Right. We did not go for a jog that morning. You did not. No, sir. Did you witness Jesse anywhere near Kiao Go? No, sir. The closest me and Jesse was ever to to that woman, we watched her and her husband walk around Spurs High School from my balcony because I lived in those apartments right next door. Right, yeah, right there on the path where they would walk. Right, and that's as close, and that's what, maybe 25, 30 yards, if that. But Sure. So would you, are you officially recanting your trial testimony that it was not true? Yes. Well, that, you know, Troy, I can tell you, I, I appreciate that. The, the fact that you're, you're, you're willing to be truthful right now. But I was, I, I don't know how much of a difference I was scared to death back then. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about that because because this is the part that I think that people need to hear is you know how you know people can can look and see that you know you told, you gave false testimony against Jesse, but it I know that it's way more complicated than that. So so why don't you go ahead and explain what happened? What you just said? You were scared to death. Why were you scared to death? Because Detective Watts, you know. He told me that if I didn't, and he told me if I did not tell him the truth about what happened, that I was going to go down for murder with Jesse, period. And you mentioned that he had, he had said something about your your DNA being on the scene? Yes, he told me that, because they took my DNA, I know, and they told me they took Jesse's. But, and they told me after I went down to get my DNA, a couple of days later, they came back and said, your DNA was found at the scene. And, and you know that's not true, right? I know that's not true. But obviously at the time you didn't know that. Now you know that's not right. true. exactly. So they put the pressure on you. They had you scared. I completely understand that they, they led you to believe that you were going to be charged with the well, murder. He, Detective Watts told me he talked to Jesse, and I guess he said he arrested Jesse right before he—he said he talked to him at one time, and which I did not understand at the time because, I mean, you know, I was, I think, 18, 19 years old, and maybe a little bit older, but he said that, you know, Jesse's going to try and take you down with him also, you know, and I— you know, I was like, what? And he said, if you don't tell us what happened, you're going to go down with Jesse. And, you know, I, everything was hitting me. I mean, they wanted they wanted me to take a polygraph test, and I told them no. Why did you tell them no? Because I didn't think, honestly, I didn't, I've never taken one, and I didn't know if I'd pass it or fail it or what. Mm-hmm. So, so where did the the ultimate story that you landed on that you ended up testifying to at trial? Where did that story come from? I I have no idea. I mean, 
I, I don't know. I mean, you know, like I said, Detective Watts, they kept telling me that they knew that I did it or that Jesse did it, and they knew that Jesse lived with me, and I just, you know, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea where it came from, to tell you honestly. I mean... But I mean, well, I, I guess what I'm saying is, did it, did it just come from you? Did you think up a story to tell them, or did they did they offer any suggestions to you, or did it, was that just a story that you came up with? It was, it was kind of both. I mean, you know, I just, it was kind of both. I mean, they kind of helped me, and, you know, I kind of said, okay, yeah, and that was it. I mean, that was, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess nobody could understand, but or has to understand. I, was, I did not know what to do or say. I mean, you know, I'd never been in trouble like that before. Our thought was in trouble. Oh, yeah. And believe me, Troy, I, I, I understand. You know, I do this for a living, and I've been through a lot of these similar circumstances to yours. And and I understand when somebody makes you makes you believe that you're going to go to prison for the rest of your life for something right. you didn't do unless you say somebody else did it. I mean, I've seen it. Right. You're not the only guy to ever go through this. Believe me. And what you're doing now is what a lot of guys don't have the courage to do. And that's, and you know, I said, I appreciate it. I admire the fact that you're willing to tell the truth now and moving forward. Would it be okay with you? If I put you in contact with Jesse's attorney and, or the, um, the conviction integrity unit that are working on his case right now, so they can talk to you and get a full statement from you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, might as well. I mean. Okay. Well, I'm, well, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Just, uh, um, Troy, I'm going to give them your phone number. Somebody will be reaching out to you. And again, I, I, I was at a loss for words when Troy recanted his testimony, which I'll admit is a pretty rare phenomenon for me. I couldn't believe it. Really, I still can't believe it. Jesse has been in prison for a crime that he didn't commit for 25 years. And all it took was one phone call? It just seemed too simple. Too neat. Almost too easy. But it's not. The reality is it's taken a quarter of a century to get Troy to tell the truth. And now that he finally has, Jesse's conviction will almost certainly be overturned. It's unbelievable. And if you thought I was at a loss for words, just wait until you hear Jesse's reaction when I share the news with him. Right after a short break. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VGW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus oh 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 O'Reilly you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. 
No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The podcast gods must have been smiling down upon us on that Friday afternoon. Because Jesse just happened to call me within minutes of me hanging up with Troy. It wasn't his usual time to call, and I haven't recorded my conversations with Jesse since we finished Season 3 on the podcast. But I had just finished recording my conversation with Troy, so my phone was still hooked up to the soundboard when Jesse called me. This is uh, good timing. I just got off the phone with your brother. Yeah. Well, I I wasn't even going to call Bob. I mean... I basically was just calling just, I don't know, my jailhouse lawyer was here. I was, I was too scared to call. I mean, and just, and then I said, well, maybe he won't be in the office. And I, you can just see that I called Monday when he comes into work. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you did because Troy just fully recanted his testimony. For real? Yeah. I mean, did he when it did, was he able to go into detail about I, I Bob I, I really need to know something, man. What what did they threaten him with actually? I mean, we got bits and pieces, Bob, but what did they tell him? He said there were multiple visits from detectives, and they oh. um they came to his work a couple times. They took him down to the station and they told him not only that his DNA was found on the crime scene, but that they had talked to you and that you had said that he did it. And they told and they told him that your DNA is there. Jesse's saying you did it, but we know that he did it. So either you tell us a story that it was him or we're going to charge you with murder. 20-year-old snot-nosed kid don't know a damn thing. Right. And scared to death. Yeah. That's that's basically what he said. He said, I was like 19, 20 years old, and I was, I was terrified. And they convinced me that they were going to charge me with murder. And that, you know, he shouldn't have any allegiances to you because you had already told them that he did it. Thank you, Bob. God damn. God damn. I mean, uh, what what made him? What what's made him? I mean, there has to be something, something that made made him decide or find out or realize after all this time. I mean, dude, all, I, all I've done is think about it and think about it for, man, 25 years, man. Shit. Excuse me, Aaron. Oh, man. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, oh. Uh, uh, 
he does know he's he was he's being taped and he's being reported and Yep. He let me record the conversation and agreed to talk to Allison and Cynthia. Oh god damn. <sighs> he told you about the letter I wrote him. Do you know it got to him in two days? That's unheard of. Did he, he didn't say anything about a letter? Yeah. After he called Patricia Monday, I wrote him and I told him point blank, dude, I don't know if you're I told you I don't know if you're trying to trick me or play with me, but you can't do nothing nothing to me. And I decided I'm gonna take you for real, but as much as I want to talk to you, I can't because of everything that's going on. You're either gonna do the right thing or you're gonna continue on. But uh I really hope you do the right thing. <sighs> All right, well he he did. He gave, he gave the whole story. Bob. Bob. What am I supposed to do, man? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't I haven't fully absorbed everything. My, matter of fact, I was I was just uploading the file right when you called, so I can I haven't, I haven't even told Allison yet. I was just getting ready to send the recording to Allison and tell her what happened. Ah. Ah. Sounds kind of cheap, thank you, huh? <laughs> no. God, damn. I mean, oh man, oh, you know, it ain't like I thought it was. You know, I'm better to go now than I was. Oh. Thank you, Bob. Thank everybody. Every please, God, please. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Um. Uh, all right. I know I. All right. I got one hell of a weekend ahead of me, buddy. You sure do. I have I have to believe this means you're going home, Jesse. Well, you know what? I don't care. You know, I know I know Cynthia Garza and Allison and all the rest already knew I was that there was a whole lot of trash in my case. But you know what, Bob? I finally believe I get to go home. And uh, <laughs> you know, I'm walking out. I'm looking at it a whole lot sadder than I thought because it's just God. Everybody is destroyed, and everybody it's it's helping me. You, I ain't met Shane. I ain't met Mike. I ain't got to meet none of those people. <sighs> well, hopefully, very soon that'll change. <sighs> Please. Please be there whenever they call me back to Dallas. You couldn't keep me away, Jesse. Uh, thank you, Bob. Thank everybody. I mean, tell them all thank you for me. I mean, 
you got a whole penitentiary of people that are, uh, <laughs> because I got guys that I told about Troy contacting Patricia. You got a ton of people here waiting on it. <laughs> You're going to have to tell the story a lot this weekend. <laughs> That's all right. Coming up next might just be my favorite part of this phone call. It's also one of the many reasons why I love Jesse Eldridge. In the middle of all of this chaos, before we hung up, Jesse wanted to make sure that I knew that Kathy, one of our transcribers and a friend, had suffered a recent loss. You have a good weekend. Oh, and, and Bob... Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Kathy's brother died. And I, I can't even, I mean, I can't call her with all that, but I did call her just to let her know. But, I mean, I asked Chris to send, give, drop a card off and some donuts for the kids, whatever. But she's been my biggest, uh, one of my biggest supporters, whatever. Back, I don't know what, I don't know what to call people out there that, that write me and help me. I don't know what to call them. I mean, other than Bob Darby and I, th- I think you can just call Kathy a friend. Yeah, yeah. She never asked nothing out of me. None of y'all have. Oh, man, do I feel it. Bob, thank you. Thank you again. I'm going to let you go to take care of things because I got to go take care of things. Okay. I got to go. take a shower. I got to take a bad shower. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right, brother. Thank we'll- you so much. You're welcome. We'll be, we'll be in touch. All right. Bob, Bob I, know, I know I sound I sound so useless just saying thank you, but I don't know what else to say. I, I owe you so... I, I can't do it. I can't repay nobody. I, I can't... There's nothing I can do. There's nothing you need to do. Thank you so much, Bob. God, I, I, whenever I, I'm... Whenever I will figure it out. Thank you, Bob. You're welcome. Take care, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. Shortly after I got off the phone with Jesse, I passed on Troy's interview to Allison. As you can imagine, she was elated. At this point, I'm back to being out of the loop again, which comes with the territory when you have a conviction integrity unit working on the case. I do know, however, that within days of this interview, Allison and her students were on a plane to Dallas to meet up with the CIU and get a formal statement from Troy. The wheels of justice are finally turning again in Jesse's case. And I am confident that sooner than later, Jesse Eldridge is going to be a free man. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is attributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing and sound engineering by Shane Yoder. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. Our Season 7 logo was created by me, with assistance from Zach Weaver and Shane Yoder. All of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. I'd like to thank Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, and Jen Reese in Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. 
you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month. And we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email, theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. I personally can be found on social media at Bob Ruff Truth, and Mike can be found at Murb Gaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Rupp, and this has been Truth and Justice. The Ford Ranger, a vehicle for all terrains and every passion. It's a workmate, a playmate, and to its drivers, a soulmate. So how do you improve the Ford Ranger? You go all in. The all-new Ford Ranger, the UK's best-selling pickup. Now available with rear bumper steps, tailgate workbench, and enlarged load box that can fit a Euro pallet. Go break it in. Search all-new Ford Ranger. Ford Pro. Driving productivity. According to SMMT data, features may be optional extras with additional cost.